We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. Bring in Ben Raza from Stochastic.com today to have a chat. Uh, if you haven't played in the Listener's League yet for the Memorial Tournament, the link is down in the description, so you can go join that now. Reminder to smash the like while you're here as well. It's always good times. Ben, it is. Uh, we're recording this a little bit early because it's a holiday for you, and I'm going golfing on Wednesday, and the show is going to come out on Wednesday, and I just always get confused about holidays. So I'm like, yeah, I asked... I went to ask you, and I was like, oh, shit, it's a holiday. But, uh, you know, you're not doing anything. No, definitely not. Uh, going to maybe a little barbecue later. But, yeah, I'm happy to hop on, have some fun. Uh, going golfing Wednesday. Have you been you been playing a lot? Yeah, I think I'm like seven, eight rounds in now. Okay. It's not bad. Unfortunately, my course is currently shut down due to forest fires. I saw that. Absurd. Affecting where you are, weirdly enough. Yeah, so I was I I had no idea about any of this and the sun like when when it's setting is this bizarre color. It's been that way for for last couple of days or like the last week. I didn't know what it was from and apparently it's from the fires. Well, I oh, well maybe that's not our fire then cuz our fire only happened yesterday. There are like massive wildfires out west, so that would make more sense. Well, it's from the fires. That's what I've been told. Uh hmm. How many fires are going on? I mean, like, Alberta is like California. It's just dry and full of wildfire. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. But, yeah, I don't I don't know what's going on. I saw those pictures you tweeted. It just looks not like real life. No, it was kind of crazy. Like, I, I didn't even realize it was happening. And then I got, like, a one of those, like, emergency text alerts on my phone. I was like, what the hell is this? And then I had like Amber go, alerts? Yeah, I had to go look into, like, I have a few friends that live out there. My golf course is out in that area as well. It seems to, like, as of right now, it seems to have, like, halted at, like, a, on a highway. So, apparently, the, the fire doesn't travel well, like, across highways, uh, mm. as it turns out. So, hopefully... You know, my friends who had to, they've had to evacuate their house just due to precaution, like everything is standing at the moment, but hopefully that all clear. By the time people watch this, hopefully it's all over. Hopefully that's, I mean, there's a lot of things like this. I don't, I don't really understand. Like I don't, you would think they could invent something that could extinguish them, but obviously that's a little more complicated than it seems. Like a novelty sized fire extinguisher? Yeah, like a gigantic blanket. 
a huge blanket, you smother that. But again, it, it can't be that simple. But I, I, I'm stunned that they can't stop it. I really am. Well, the only bits of material I've ever seen big enough to what you're talking about are when I travel to America and see American flags. So I think all of the fabric is being used up on Mars. That's that's probably the opportunity cost. If we took all the flags, we could we could build this unstoppable thing and we would have no more fires. I always forget it, too, because usually when I travel to the States, like I'm usually downtown in a city or whatever and like you know it just looks like every other city in the world like all cities are kind mm -hmm. of the same but this time we did some venturing off the beaten path like we went up to northern california drove through the countryside a little bit just american flags everywhere i always forget it like when i lived in new jersey it was kind of the same thing like you know you don't spend that much time in new jersey really i suppose unless you fly into newark or you live there and just going to each of these weird they're townships in new jersey right like the the little like communities yeah yeah i think that's what they're called yeah i feel like they're called something anyway just american flags everywhere. everyone's do you have like eight american flags outside of your house i'm just being two different countries no. worldwide and even in my own country like you just don't see that amount of flags yeah no there's flags all over the place uh not to take shots of my own country i don't have a flag uh i see plenty and you're right like where i am i'm, I'm in the suburbs for sure you don't see them as much when i drive like when I go to Saratoga and stuff and I go up to upstate New York, it's flat, like just every house has a flag uh, of some some type. So, uh, yeah, we're big flag country. What can I say? Yeah, lots of flag. The flag industry is absolutely booming. Apparently, you're absolutely flush with cash, I assume, at the moment. Like, are <laughs> yeah, you I'm going to buy a lot of flags. Hey, are you going to buy a lot of flags? You can fund this barbecue. Yeah. Grio finally wins for the first time in seven years. I mean, it, it was... <laughs> First off, obviously, in peak Rio, I'm not complaining, but I'm going to complain. I had, to, I didn't think I needed to hedge, and then I was certain that there was no need to hedge. And then I was forced to hedge at a terrible number in the playoff because I've never... A, I didn't know there was water over there. And B, I've never heard more confusion from the morons, the rules expert who's saying that he can he can swing at the moving ball. That doesn't seem... <laughs> like it's in the realm of possibilities. Did you did you hear him say that? I, I I was putting my kids to bed at the time, so I was I had it streaming on my phone, but I didn't have any sound, and I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. It was just Grio standing there, watching the ball go back towards the tee box. Wrong way. And, and then yeah. I and then I finally I was like, I got to figure out what's going on here. And all I heard them say was it had been too much time for him to actually play the ball. So we had to take the drop from whenever he put it down on the on the concrete to take his drop, which was a choice, a good choice, as it turns out. But I, I don't understand why you would have to play the moving ball. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, well, he can he can just swing if he wants to. Like, yeah, that's what he's going to do in the river. Just take a cut. <laughs> Like Phil, uh, I don't think that's the answer. And then I, I didn't understand, not that I wanted him to play that, but if the ball is still moving, how could there be a time expiration? Because, like, it's still, I, I don't know. I didn't understand any of that. I didn't know what a viaduct was. I had to Google that. A lot of, lot of new experiences. Pete Grio, then he's playing with those kids. Uh, I guess worked out. But we got the W. I it, It's never felt so good to cash a golf out, right, my whole life. Is that the craziest golf bet you can remember winning? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, honestly. Because uh, Rory's never won the Masters, and he probably never will. So, um, 
I've had, a, you know, like I've bet a lot of stupid guys and I've caught some decent numbers over the years. But for it to happen like that with Grio, I, I truly, after he got through, I, I, I really thought it was over. Like I, I, I was not prepared for another sweat within there. If he would have lost that, I'm, I, I'm not sure I could have, I would have had to pretend that the barbecue was earlier and just canceled <laughs> this. I would have been so mad. Does this mean you can stop betting him now? Because this happened to me with Luke List. When Luke List finally won, I ended up like up money lifetime on Luke List because of the hit that ended up coming in with him. You know, he had cashed the each ways along the way. But then I never felt I never felt compelled to bet him ever again. I'm gonna bet him this week just because uh, <laughs> a he likes Memorial and why not? Then I'll move my focus onto the laundry list of absolute. Like I have a. You know, we've got Bez and Fleetwood and Brandon Harkins, who's not on the tour. Bud Cauley, who I'm not sure is on the earth. Uh, you know, a couple other guys. Like, I have such a long list of guys that I've bet a million times that have never won. So this is the first of a lot of, a lot of bucket list items here. Well, who, who is that the entire list of your guys? Because I like I've put Batia onto my list of my guys. I'm just betting him now. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't have it. It's funny. I don't have as many like new additions uh bez fleetwood evr is so irrelevant now i've he's like kind of forced me to give up on him i just can't do it anymore benny on obviously like most of us jaeger i think is probably my newest addition i just keep betting him i wonder if he's ever gonna win I don't, know. I don't know. He should be playing in the, I, I guess there's an elevated event at Memorial, which he is in. So he probably wants to win the 5 million bucks, but, you know, maybe he could play in the German Open this week and win that. No, that's, you know, you know who's going to win that, don't you? Yannick Paul? Apparently, apparently, yeah, apparently that is the answer, but no, Kiefer's over there. Oh, uh, Matt, Matt, I forgot about Max Kiefer. He won me that big bet. I totally forgot yes, about that. Yes, he did. That. On my birthday. And you didn't bet him. Yep. No, I did not. He was one of your him probably like he was five one of years your, in a row. Yeah, he was one of your Euro guys every week, forever. Every week. Now there's a new dude, Tiger somebody over there. Who? A German guy named Tiger. Tiger? Tiger. I'm going to Google. Yeah, who is this guy? Tiger German golf. Tiger Christensen. Okay. That's a real guy? That's a real guy. Uh, he's the thousand. Real... He's the thousand to one to win this week. Yeah. So, only takes one. Yeah. I, I don't I mean, know if he's a professional, but he he is in the tournament. I feel like where I pay far like far less attention to the European tour that my guys are just always kind of my guys that I bet. Although some of them are like really good now and I don't like betting them at the odds. Like when Thirsty Lawrence was getting up to 15 to one and stuff like that. I, you know, I prefer him in like the 40 to 50 to one range, but all my other guys have like kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah. Like Guido, Wacky Valamaki. They're all down in the 60 to one range. Who's the other one that I really enjoyed about? Well, I guess it's Lawrence who's playing in the Memorial. Ryan Fox is playing in the Memorial. Unfortunately, all my guys graduated to the PGA Tour. And they're, like, and they're like unbettable now. Although I'm Yeah, betting, my guys went the other way. I'm betting like, Fox too. So Jaco, he's gone. I think he retired. I think he's on the Sunshine uh, Tour. Sunshine Tour. Xander Lombard. I think he's somewhere else. Um, Obviously, Kiefer. Bjork is still pretty good. I bet him occasionally. 
Yeah, but he's always there. Must be, he's like the Xander of the European tour. Like you go, never, you go look at him. Like he doesn't ever seem to win anything. Yet he's the fourth favorite every week. Yeah, I can I can confirm that. But uh, I don't know. I rely on you, you know, Sky and your your boys for your. They pull out guys that I've never heard of, and I just tell that. Unfortunately, the the, the the Kabuki man couldn't do it for us earlier this year. Although the guy that we bet like. Three years ago in that Kenya tournament at like 3,000 to one, I think he won a Sunshine Tour event this week. Yeah, that's what happens. The the, the people from like the Safari Zone or wherever they were playing, uh, some, of, some of those names, they reappear. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I bet that guy once, but I don't know. There's too many. Do you bet a lot of live? Not really. I usually just bet Bryson every week. Okay. He, he yeah, never I was betting Bryson. No. I, yeah, I did not bet HV3. Wasn't I, close. No. Good. I mean, that's something that Jeff and I didn't bring up on the Monday show was his first win in America. So shout out HV3 on that one. Everyone likes HV3. As Tim yeah. Andercus called him no less than a week ago, a giant star. Like Liv got all the big oh. stars, like Harold. He's Carter well on his way, little by little. Um, maybe a couple ways to go. But I had to use like three separate books to get down money on these Brooks Kepka head-to-heads last week on Liv, and it almost, oh, yeah. didn't, it almost didn't work. That was one, uh, yeah, I saw him having a good old time at the Panthers game and, and making the rounds everywhere else. So I saw that, yeah, that's, even with Griot, like I was, I spread it around a little bit to a couple different books, and I didn't catch the best number everywhere. I, I did get the 100 to 1 on FanDuel, though. Uh, but yeah, so it's, uh it's been good. There's just so much golf, it's hard to keep up. Do you like the elevated events happening so frequently where you get these stacked fields no. like every three weeks? I kind of enjoyed the Colonial. Like, I watched a ton of Colonial. I thought it was great, but that's also me, and I'm going to watch golf regardless. I can see why they want to pad all these tournaments into one, but it's not like Memorial was going to be a bad tournament. Everyone was going to play it anyway. I like it for betting, of course, because... If you can survive, you get some cool numbers, but it, it does kind of suck that it's like at Colonial, it felt like a lot of guys could realistically win. Um, and I, you know, I, I watch so much golf that I, I don't mind seeing people like I, my parents are a perfect litmus test. Like they, they watch a good amount of golf. They bet golf, but they're like, who's this shank guy? And I'm like, yeah, he's, he's around, but they don't know who that is. Like they want to see Ricky. Uh, but for me, like, that's awesome. Like, I want to see these guys that I feel like I know because I, I play DFS every week. Uh, I like the weird events. I meant to ask you, I just, it kind of came to my head when I was writing down topics for us to talk about was you and I were doing those shows at Fanvice together yes. in like 2015 or 2016, whatever <laughs> it might be. And that's when I met you. How did you yeah. end up at Fanvice? So... Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of a bizarre, not really a bizarre story. I just randomly ended up there. I quit my job uh, to play DFS full time. And I was just like, I kind of like golf. Like I I started playing a ton of DFS golf. They didn't have any golf. And I was just like, I would write an article. So like I I happened to message them just being like, hey, if you ever want to like a golf writer, I would potentially do that i know you don't have any golf and then like anything else somehow somehow that actually 
transpired. Totally random. Never in a million years would I think that I would do stuff like this. Yeah, very shady. Well, it, it's weird. Like, what were you doing before you quit? Like, what was your job before you played DFS full time? I was uh, in finance. All right, that tracks. Like doing, that tracks with yeah, like just, everyone yeah, from yeah. that period who I remember talking to Dink about the same thing. I think that's like the world that he came from too. A lot of people seemed to either come from math degrees or finance jobs. And they were just like, fuck this. I'm just going to play daily fantasy as a job. Yeah, that kind of summed it up. Like I played a, a ton of poker at one point and then poker got shut down. And I was just like doing finance stuff and... Just, yeah, I don't, you know, I was, uh, ironically, of all people, I owe it all to my therapist because he was the one, he was like, find something that you can do daily. And I, I had heard about DFS and uh, from a friend and I was just like, yeah, I don't like fantasy sports at all. Never played them, never will. Just not my thing. But like the concept of making a lineup daily, and I was like, all right, maybe I'll force myself to do this. And then I quickly realized, like, I think this might be pretty exploitable and then I started to really rev it up. What would you say the difference between being able to exploit the games now is versus then? So then there was, I think the concepts were if you knew how to just like actively not screw up, you would basically be fine. And you could beat the games by just like not playing. Like when I, when it first started, there was like, Oh, like there were no like WDs next to guys' names. It's like this guy's not playing and 8% of the field doesn't know that. Uh, like the most simplistic things were not even remotely solved. So I thought it was about minimizing mistakes. Now I think you got to go out and, and do it because like there, everybody knows everything and, and there's so much information out there. You're not going to sneak one by anybody. There was a site called Draft Day back then. And to kind of pile on with the WD type thing, they had, I guess, what would have been like the first iteration of like prize picks and underdog and those sorts of things mm -hmm. where it was like the pick'em games. Uh, but they had like their actual daily fantasy and this was just like a side part of their site. But every week, like we made a, like someone found it or someone met, I think someone DM me on Twitter about it. And they were like, hey, they're posting lines right now with guys that have withdrawn from the tournament. And now, you know, they would void those. But even yeah. the sites at the time, had no clue what was going on. So you could go get like five to one and all you really had to do was win one of the, like the actual head to heads because <laughs> the other two head to heads featured like Tiger who you know, withdrew at the last second or a week before or whatever versus someone who was playing in the tournament and they graded them all as winners. It was awesome. I Like when I first got into DFS, it was college football. It was legal back then in, in New York. And I remember the first tournaments I played, I was like, half these guys already graduated. They're not on the team. Um, and I was just like, uh, I don't really understand. So like just knowing the roster was like, oh, 30% of the players just took a wide receiver who is now, he got drafted. Uh, it, it was absurd. And, and like those edges are long, long gone. Why did you want to get into content? Was it just like something to do daily at the same time? Like, hey, I'm playing daily fantasy. Because a lot of people will say, and I, I've heard this question over time too. It's like, if you're, you know, if you're so good at betting or if you're so good at daily fantasy or whatever it might be, why wouldn't you just want to keep all of that to yourself? And I mean, the answer is for a lot of people, it's like, well, this is 
I mean, it's gambling either way that you're going to do it. Like your income is going to go up and it's going to go down based on whether you win or whether you lose. Maybe on the downswings, it's a nice way to have some guaranteed income coming in. I feel like that's the answer for most people that it, you know, it's a floor at least of everything that you do. But some people just aren't made out for content. Some people try to do it and are really bad at it. And it seemed like you never wanted to do it yet turned out to be really good at it. Yeah, like I... So socially, like I, I, I don't know. I, I've, I never like struggle socially or I haven't, uh, in my life. Like I'm pretty comfortable out and whatnot, even though now I'm going out. It's just like, I don't have time for this, but I never wanted to be like, I don't like public speaking. I don't like stuff like this. So it was nothing like that. And I get that now. Like there is obviously something super comforting about a floor, about just like stable, reliable, but that that was 50 steps ahead of what I was thinking. It was just like, oh, like this, this just like gives me something to do. Uh, like I, I don't have like a real job right now. Like this is just like an activity to kind of keep me busy and I'm already doing the research. So like, why not? And it, truly, if you would have said to me, chances you ever get on camera, I would have said like literally stone dead, zero percent. I would donate both my kidneys before I would. I would ever get in front of a camera. So were those shows that we did then, like the first times that you were on camera? Oh, yeah. Really? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. See, I did not know that. Yeah. I don't know where FanVice got all of its money from, but they were throwing some money around. Isn't that the truth? I mean, uh, yeah, they, I mean, they, they had that big. I mean, I didn't see you jumping off of a boat uh, as no, a part of I your missed, intro video, but like I remember I they, they they got me, and I was I was collecting a nice little sum, a nice little side <laughs> for me. I, I they had Evan Silva for a while too, so I assume he was making ten times what I was making. But it's a lot of money to be just chucking around to try to get some views. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of that was like before. Again, I I don't I wasn't there for that long. It, it got uh, acquired after that, but. It, it was just like I wasn't even remotely thinking like a lot of people and I think it's an awesome industry are like, oh, I'm looking for an in in the end. You know, I'll get started. I'll build up. And like, that's how you, you do it. I would that was never, ever a consideration at all. Well, it's funny because that's led to you having, you know, a different approach. I, I feel like that's what stands out because I was thinking about this the other day that all the sites are kind of exactly the same now. That it's funny, like, cause I mean, talking to Tambo, he left Run Pure, but Run Pure kind of took over. I don't know, they seem different, at least in terms of what their marketing is. And it feels like the first site that really stood out amongst all the other ones, like between you guys, uh, Scocastic, FTN, ETR. Like, great projections. That's why people come. Um, and, you know, sort of the names behind it. But, like, here are the tools. Like, there's no, not necessarily, like, a, a personality that, you know, ruminates from inside the company. Like, the last thing I can feel, like, before Run Pure was, like, Tommy. who I, And Tommy just stood out like no other in the space. Well, he stood out, yeah. I mean, it's true. And it just shows that, like, every, every I mean, you, you see it more than me probably exponentially, like, Every single angle is going to have a lot of people that are just like, this fits with what I do. And then there's going to be a lot of other people that are just like, this is too boring or this is terrible information or this is too much energy. This is not enough. So it's just like, I don't know. I, I think for me, I kind of just found, or at least I try to do this, just like, don't worry about it. Uh, if you If you believe in what you're doing, people will see it. 
don't, you know, I, I, I'm pretty laid back. Uh, I don't know how some people have just, it feels like they're playing a character and that's amazing. I just, I don't know how people can do that day after day. It would grind me uh, to nothing. I would be just dust if I tried that. It'd be tough to keep up if it wasn't some sort of hard. If it wasn't some sort of natural extension of what you do anyway, I hear like wrestlers talk about that in a weird way, like the ones that are playing themselves, but like it's not really themselves. It's just some sort of extension of themselves that's turned up to 100 at all times. But the best characters always have some element of truth in them. But I don't know, especially like with people being on social media all day, every day, and then doing videos and doing content, like it'd be hard to keep it up or it would start to impact your real life. And like, you'd lose touch you'd on reality. You would bleed into your character. Like, I think, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's like everything. It's, per, it's obviously progressed and I'm sure it will continue to progress and new avenues will open up. You see it now. I mean, just, People who are so good with social media can get huge followings really quickly. It's it's an incredible skill to have. Uh, I see in the betting space, you know, big time accounts. They build right up uh, with content that's, you know, not overly advanced analysis. I, I saw... Dr. Jesse Morse put this out. It's been a friend of the show over the years that he was talking about charging for a product that I think that was previously free. And he was asking how much would people pay for a product like per year? Would it be like never ever pay for anything fantasy related? Would it be between 10 and $20, 20 to 50, 50 or over, 100 or over, whatever it might be. And like the vast majority of people were just like, fuck this, I would never pay for anything. I, I think that because we work in this space, which I mean, a lot of it requires people to pay for things. Like my show is always free, but I do have like, I'm a part owner of Run the Sims. People should go to Run the Sims right now. If you go and buy Run the Sims, I will get money from that. I mean, everyone kind of knows that, but like that's, mm -hmm. That's an upsell that I have. And I always wanted to upsell information. Like when Moose and I started Fantasy National, there was like, we made a conscious effort. Like there can't be picks on this site. I don't want to be responsible for like giving people bad advice. And like if people want to watch me for free and tail my losing bets and then they lose, well, that's on them. If they're actively paying for things and it's losing advice, then I would like start to feel very bad about it. But if I have an information site, like, hey, here's where you can go to make your own decisions then I feel pretty good about that. So that's why I went that route. And you know, maybe it's just me being cowardly with that, or even just knowing that I'm not like great at making the picks, uh, that I didn't want to upcharge to that. But it just turns out the vast majority of people don't want to pay for any of this stuff. And like you said, there's a lot of people now just coming into this space for free. And I, I do they do it out of, like, they're not being paid for it. Even if they build, like, big TikTok followings, like, you don't get paid that much from that. Yeah, I don't know if... If there's uh, like a, calc a calculated plan of like, I'm going to do this and then springboard to something. I don't know if it's just a new, like a, maybe I'm dating myself, like a new era of people where everybody is a pseudo influencer and it's just like a natural part of, of like your day to day. I I'm not really sure, but I, I totally get that. I mean, I think, again, it's just there's a lot of different people doing it a lot of different ways both ends of the spectrum, like most things I think are probably not great. If you fall somewhere in the middle, uh, you have your balance, you'll probably be all right. And I think it's tough now, especially when people are trying to charge for things. And this has always been true, especially in this space, that I see people getting mad at people giving it away for free. It's like, well, 
that's how you started by giving it away for free. Like people don't want to be doing this for free forever. They're trying to work towards some sort of yeah. end goal, unless it's just for laughs for them, which is great. But you can't be mad that people don't want to pay for anything when there's just a bulk of free information. And and it's very hard, you know, uh, like again, with, with betting and stuff, unless you're diligently tracking stuff over a long period of time, it's all noise. Like, you know, people get on a hot streak randomly and a cold streak randomly, and people draw a lot of uh, conclusions based off that. And, and I'm no different. So it's like, you know, that's that's just kind of the nature of it. And I don't know. I think uh, with stuff happening so quickly, it's a lot of people are getting thrown into this ecosystem, and it's it's fascinating to see kind of how it's developing. Well, it's funny, too, from like the large corporation end of everything that there's so much money, especially now that the sports betting economy is here, that they all want to be in the sports betting economy, yet they seemingly have no idea how to do it. Like I even see large gambling companies starting projects, yet not involving anyone from the actual gambling space. When it comes to content, they're like, oh, well, this guy ran TV over at, I don't know, NBC or something like that. You know, he's a TV guy. He's going to know how to do this. And like, yeah, the structure and planning of how to design a network or content or rundowns, that makes a lot of sense. But if it was that easy to do it without people who are already within the space and thriving, like you could almost hire anyone to do it. Like, I don't think like real TV experience, like if you were a high end produ producer at ESPN, I don't think that would just make you like, oh, he, he makes great content. He'll make great gambling content. I don't feel like it really works that way. No, it doesn't. It doesn't like I, I've seen it. It doesn't translate. I don't know if it's because like I, I am kind of submerged in it. It just there's it's pretty easy to tell like when it's just like, OK, this person, they may have some prerequisites, but they're missing some that are just vital. Um, and so it, it's a weird space because it's so crowded. And there's like you said, they're coming from all different avenues. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, some of it appeals to, to some people, others not so much, but feels like it's just rapidly evolving week over week. Well, you say it's easy to tell. And since it's become legalized in Ontario up in Canada, like the two major sports networks have, you know, they've signed their deals. They have these like gambling related topics. And like, I'll watch it for a minute and be like, this is just outrageous. Like this has <laughs> n nothing to do with reality. But that's me working in the space, looking at it. If I was an outsider and seeing that, would I be like sold on what's going on? Probably. I would think so. Um you know, again, it's I have this discussion a lot at Stochastic and at Odd Chopper when we talk about some of these things of if you don't know what's going on, if you have no prerequisites and someone says to you, you know, 6% ROI, 54% win rate, stuff like that. And then someone else is saying to you, you know, 90% winners and 10 fire emojis. If you don't know, <laughs> you'd be an idiot not to go with that guy. Like... I would probably be like, okay, yeah, that sounds more my speed. Uh, I don't, the other one, I don't even know if that sounds good. Like, um, so it's just, it's really difficult if you're not, if you don't know much about the space, you're probably going to have to learn from trial and, and error. Learn from losing? Yeah. Or just being like, okay, this is not realistic. Uh, that's, that's the number one thing is like when I hear people, it's just like, okay, I don't really need to hear anything else. What you're saying is not realistic and you're not putting context on it because, you know, I don't, I don't know what exactly the end goal is. It's different for everybody, but yeah, probably learn from, from losing and, and realizing like, Oh, 
the, the lock button is not exactly a lock button. Yeah, that that doesn't tend to it'd be even to point back to that, like Brooks versus whoever in the live field bets like that felt like the most it felt like some of the freest money besides the Michael Block to miss the cut bet. But even then, that, like it, it all ends up, I mean, the Michael Block one didn't end up becoming a sweat, but the Brooks one most definitely became a sweat. Oh, yeah. I mean, I bet I I bet stuff all the time. That's just like outrageous. And I watched some, I bet some uh, like Indonesian UFC the other morning uh, and I turn it on on a stream. This guy, whoever I bet, he would have won a hundred out of a hundred times it felt like after seeing it. But also he could have got caught in one of these, I don't know what, anaconda chokes. (laughs) And it's just like, you know, you'd see it in hindsight, but all this stuff obviously is just stupid shit happens all the time. Except with Michael Block. That actually was generational wealth, and I missed it. Yeah, the, the hard part was, because it was minus 300, was trying to figure out, find the sites where you would be allowed to parlay that with something else. Like, even yeah. if it was like Scotty Scheffler top 20, whatever it might be, just, just to make it a bit more viable. And once you start parlaying stuff together at a lot of these sites, they're like, oh, you're playing a parlay? Throw whatever, throw however much you want <laughs> down on this. Absolutely. I mean, that's where it's like, uh, yeah, but yeah, put it with some weird stuff, round robin it. But again, I think that's all just like the space is evolving. People, people have to figure out what they want. That's that's something we talk about a lot too. Like, if you if you want to bet for entertainment, you don't have to worry about most of this stuff. Like, bet your guys, build same game parlays, have fun with it, uh, and that's great. If you're being super like conscious of some of that's you probably have to cut out a couple bad habits here or there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging. So you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So when you're looking at all this stuff, like if you come from a finance background, you don't... It's not that you don't strike me as a math guy, but I feel like you're not there grinding your own projections to I'm bet not. things. Is it more of the mathematical theory and the game theory behind things? And then you just take who you want? Yeah. So it's like, I'm not great with like statistics, not, you know, numbers, like I'm good with Excel and stuff, but nothing crazy by any stretch. I just think if I have any sort of edge, it's in, I understand like game theory, a lot of the poker mentalities really well. And like at the end of the day, it is, it's a game. Like it's not a, it's a solvable puzzle. So I, I think that's probably where it is. Cause yeah, the finance stuff, 
it's not like I had like, oh, I just have better projections and I'm just using them. Not at all. I rely on, on stochastics projections. They wouldn't let me near those things. <laughs> there are a lot, like, most of the top end players just have their own proprietary projections, I would bet, right? I mean, I think that everybody, like the top, top guys, the, the, their ability to react to news and update everything like op, you know just that that type of stuff is i think why they have their edges yeah do you find it's different in like betting markets now like if you're betting on indonesian ufc have a feeling you don't know much about that like where where does your That's edge correct. come in with stuff like that so i mean the simplest things there's still plenty of like okay the lower level sports some of these lines are inefficient and, and you can kind of find find some of that some of it so this is and this is the other thing with me i love to i love the sports bet but i also love to gamble like so i i have a lot of both like there are times where i'm just like i know this is i can minimize how dumb this is just by like shopping it and doing those things and i'm just gonna let it fly like i don't have some secret edge i just know that it'll probably wash out for the most part and Maybe, maybe I'll get lucky and then I have like my actual work of betting where I'm like, you know, crunching the numbers and trying to find the edges uh, for real. Interesting. All right. Well, did, were you watching? Oh, you some, to eat. What's that? Like you don't play slot. Like you're, you're not a casino person. I love I. It's funny. I've become less and less. I mean, I started gambling by playing at casinos. I had a fake ID. So I'd be going to the casino when I was like 17 playing blackjack. Like, oh, yeah. Losing my pay, I mean, that, that, that's how I learned the realities of gambling. When I was losing my paycheck from working on a delivery truck on mini Baccarat, let it ride and blackjack. Ah, oh, let it ride. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not one for, I mean, I would always let it ride, put it that way. Did not uh, turn out also great for my bankroll. But just like, you know, you lose your paycheck and it wasn't a big paycheck or anything like that. I was still living at home at the time. Uh, but uh, you just... Paul Scott, Paul Scott by the camera. I can see him out of my eye here. It just, once you do that a few times, you're like, all right, I need to come up with a much more reasonable approach. And I, I think the thing that, I, because of that, and that happened to me at such an early age when it's not that the money didn't matter to me, it's that it's something that I could have afforded to lose at that time, but it felt like the world. And like that feeling of despair, losing <laughs> all of the money, I never felt, I mean, I get excited when I win, but the excitement from the winning didn't even come f close to the despair of losing. And because of that, at least psychologically for me, it's always kept me betting reasonable limits. Like, hey, if I lose this, no big deal. If I win, I'm still going to be happy. Like, I can go into a casino right now and play $5 blackjack for like three hours and be fine. Like, could I play more than that? Yeah, absolutely. I could afford to lose more than that. But I get the same gratification from winning the $5 bet as I do from the, 20, from the $25, $50, $100 bet. So why go up in stakes? Yeah, that's a great, I mean, that's the perfect casino mentality. Like it's, uh, I, it's fun. I like to play blackjack, but that's kind yeah. of the extent of it. <laughs> no, and that's like, I mean, that's the beautiful part of it. It's, you can go in there and just be like, okay, going to have some fun, let and, and you know, you can just obviously get lucky and that makes it even better. But uh, it does help. I mean, not that I'm advocating to start them young, but like, you know, I grew up at the racetrack. So it's I feel like a lot of these lessons I got out real early and it made me uh, a little more more aware when I got older. I can see that. What else do I got here? Oh, did you watch 
were you watching Succession? Oh yeah, I watched last night. All right, so so you've watched the entire thing. So I, I've had no one to talk about this with outside of Ooh. my wife, who I watched it with. You want to talk about Succession? Yeah, because I only I I asked May, which uh, we watched it together, and she had takes. I had takes. So I, I haven't really read or listened to anyone's because we're doing this right after. So spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the season finale of Succession, we're going to talk about Succession right now. Hopefully everyone doesn't tune out because I still want to talk about the sitcom bracket, which is still ongoing. You can vote on that down in the description. The third round will be starting, I mean, as of today, that will come out and you can vote on that. It, it kind of felt, I mean, I guess Shiv... It felt like everyone kind of got a small victory except for Kendall. Wait, can, you can rule that out. Definitely definitely not a victory. Um, but like even Roman at the end, like when he goes into that bar and orders the martini, like he has like a just a small smile. Smirk. Yeah, smirk on his face. Like, you know, everything that they were all doing was to impress their dad, whatever. But now that they're not involved... It almost felt like, to me at least, how I interpreted it, it felt kind of liberating for him. And even for Shiv, like, just getting at Kendall was a small victory for her. Obviously, Tom and Greg end up fine in the entire thing. Like, Kendall's really the only one, not to say that they're happy, they're probably all unhappy, but in terms of, like, the stage of the entire show, like, Kendall's the only one left without anything, except for billions of dollars. Yeah, that that is a nice consolation, but I didn't have any issues with it i didn't love like the the shiv flip-flopping that late in it um maybe that was like a small thing i thought it could have been a little more like calculated that she was just like okay i'll go this direction give it to tom kind of uh like resign her fate there kill kendall poor kendall that guy can't catch a break no now he's no. got now he's got his old his dad's old driver following him around for eternity. Yeah, yeah him and Colin gonna have to do a reboot series. Yeah, I but, I I really enjoyed it. I thought the I thought this season in particular was excellent. It's good, yeah. I shows like that, Mad Men, you know, stuff stuff where like a lot of I've I've heard a lot of people say like nothing happens. That doesn't bother me at all because it's character driven. It's fine for me to just like. I could watch those characters just kind of maneuver in their world all day. It doesn't bother me. Well, it's funny when I've just seen a lot of comparison to other, quote, prestige TV shows, be it Mad Men, Sopranos, Wire, Breaking Bad, whatever it might be. But Succession, I mean, obviously it has that budget. The way that it's written, the way that it's shot is obviously has the same depth as those other shows. But Succession is just a farce. Like the other shows were... They demanded to be taken seriously, like Joe Bluth. Succession didn't. Like, there are serious elements of it, but overall, like, it's it's not a parody. It's not satire, but it's just kind of a farce. Yeah, it's outrageous. Like, I I get that. I don't I don't know how it stacks up against some of those type of shows. I, I some of the characters I think are elite characters, and for a story that's not really like a you know, it's just like an ongoing thing for four seasons. It was, it was good. And I, most people, I feel like always hate all, like every ending on every show was just terrible. I thought this was, was pretty good. I, I I had no issues with it. Yeah, it was fine. Like the, the main question of the show got resolved that they asked in episode one of the show, which is, 
it, it's funny because people talk a lot about finales that don't live up to the hype or bad finales. I think like Lost is the ultimate example of that, which after, after going back and watching the finale of Lost, like it wasn't for me, but I understand what it was trying to do and the type of person like there was just a, and maybe by the end it wasn't the same, but Lost had two very different camps of viewers. There was like the hard sci-fi, what are the numbers? What are all the questions, people? And then the other half just kind of liked it because it was on ABC every single week. And the finale appeased those people and not the other people who were the vocal internet people, which will obviously make it seem like it was the worst thing that ever happened. But we don't talk about bad pilots to good shows. The Succession pilot is bad. I haven't seen the Succession pilot in a long time. I went back and watched it because I need shows. Is that where they play baseball? Yep. It's a, it's the one that ends at the baseball dumb, but Roman is married. He has a kid in that episode. <laughs> what? Yeah. He has a wife and a okay, kid. Okay. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I, I, and I went back, I went back and rewatched the first season and I know a My lot mind of, is blown. Yeah. I know a lot of people say it's hard to get into the wire because of the slow first few episodes, but there's just a lot being introduced there. Like the first four or five episodes of Succession are just, they're not great. And then it gets really good. Like it just kind of, the switch goes on and all of a sudden it's an awesome show. But I can see why people didn't get into it. Yeah, I mean that people, especially, I mean, that's uh, from everything we've been talking about. The timelines people, you know, you you don't have a month to to sell people like you better make your tv show pretty good pretty fast uh because that's all you get i i like succession of shows lately i mean there's only a couple of other shows that i i like actively look forward to i we usually have like one new scripted show in the rotation weekly that like we sit down and watch and i like that's enough like i i've been i'm still continuing through monk as like our background show that we just kind of have on in the house while we're doing stuff at night or sitting in bed watching something but i mean that's an old show that you just kind of put on loop it it's the same as when yeah. we when we watch house like it's just on elementary was another one that we did that with just like oh yeah it's not it's like did i miss anything of course you didn't miss anything it's elementary yeah we do that <laughs> Yeah, well, we do that with West Wing, Frasier, um, Aldo with The Sopranos. We, we're on a rewatch. I, have you seen, so most underrated show that I've seen recently is Tokyo Vice. I don't even know what that is. All right, Tokyo Vice, I'm telling you, put it on the list. It's it's really, really good. One season, HBO, season two is coming out. It is, I'm, I'm all about it. Best show I've seen in quite a while. What's it about? It's about a American reporter in Japan who like kind of info. It's a true, I mean, true story. You know how that goes uh, based on true events who infiltrates the Yakuza. Okay. Yeah, it's good. I like it. And it's the guy. I don't know who some of these other people might be people. One of the main characters is the guy from Inception. Which one? And he's in one of the, he's like a Nolan guy. He's in one of the Batmans too. Is he Japanese? Yeah. You uh, know Ken, what I'm talking about? Yeah. Ken Wanatabi. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. He's the guy in Inception who gets left in the Inception world till he's old. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. He's, he's back. They got him out of that and they put him in Tokyo Vice, which is sweet. Uh, I, no, no, this isn't the show that I started watching. I thought I, I, I was going to say I started watching the show Citadel, but I didn't start watching the show Citadel. I started watching the show that has Stanley Tucci in it. 
Inside Man, is that what it's called? I know that movie. Yeah, I know. But... It, it, it is called Inside Man. This is what I started watching. It has David Tennant and Stanley Tucci in it. It's like, I don't know, it's on Netflix. It's really weird. In the first episode, yeah, it was like I an haven't... hour and a half. The last thing I watched on Netflix, we watched the Kaleidoscope, which was okay. Their claim to fame was you could watch it in any order. Oh. And it was like, yeah, you you can do that, but then it's just kind of weird depending on what order you do it in. So I wasn't captivated by that. I mean, technically, you can watch any show like that if you really yeah. want to. It was like, okay, yeah, you can watch the last episode and you're going to be real confused. There was a Black Mirror episode like that. That it was a choose-your-own-adventure type of episode where uh, you could be interactive while watching it to say, hey, do you want them to do this or you want them to do this? And they had enough, like, built that, like, the algorithm built out that they had the scenes filmed for, like, to piece a particular story together. Which is a really cool concept, but... Like it the takes Goosebumps a, books. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't Goosebumps. I think it was... The Goosebumps weren't choose-your-own-adventure, were they? Or were they? Yeah, I think so. I think they were. I remember be I like, a, yeah, like turn to page 94. That's right. I had a baseball book like that when I was a kid that it would be like, hey, what, what pitch do you want to throw here? Like, what do you want to do in this situation? And you had like your three options. You had to turn to like whatever page because you know, then you get to see the outcome yeah. of what you decided to do. Great way to learn how like strategy in baseball. Although I assume that strategy now is probably all completely wrong based on what we know about numbers. Yeah, that's more true than that but that's i'm telling you that's the type of stuff those little i i'm a firm believer that like little lessons like that they can take you all the way through and like understanding puzzles games like yeah yeah just know knowing the rules of the things really helps out too but uh yeah this show inside man stanley tucci is a inside man it's like a hannibal lecter type situation he's not a cannibal he murdered his wife and he's on death row but he was a professor of criminology, so people come to him with cases, and he deems whether he wants to like choose to help or not. But he's like, you know, insanely smart when it comes to this sort of stuff. So yeah, it just, sounds like Hannibal. Yeah, but it's just, so it's him in prison with another guy on death row, and they just take meetings with people, and he helps solve crimes. Does that happen in real life? I doubt it. <laughs> yeah. I'd go, I'd go doubtful too. I don't know. There's a lot of people on death row. Maybe some of them are helping crack the cases. Well, what was the, there was an old, I, I was, I've had Joe House on the show a few times who does fairway rolling. And I think this was like one of his things from way back that he wanted to do a reality show called death row caterer, where it was a reality show about what, what people on their last meal eat. Okay. <laughs> Would you watch that? So that. Oh, I would watch that. I had this conversation. It's got to be within the last two months. I spent like hours reading last meals of death row inmates. Fascinating. And then there was a guy in Texas who ordered like a shitload of stuff. Didn't eat any of it. And then we were like, all right, no more, no more last meals. T tough, tough luck. They just stopped it because of that. The, the guy but, blew. The guy blew it for. What were what were the most blew it for everyone? What were the most interesting things on the the death row meals? So it reminded me a little of like the master's menu. Uh, like there were some people not to take another shot at Bubba, but it's like really like real chicken and like a side of potatoes. That's that's <laughs> it. That's your big going like 
are you kidding? Like, I, I just couldn't believe there were there were some real questionable decisions. Probably why they're on death row. Because like, how do you not get something that's at least a little unique? I mean, these people are on death row for a reason, presumably. I know. I yeah. Again, just really bad, questionable decision making. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of people had just like a bunch of shit and then I, I, ice cream is really common like you know mint chocolate chip ice cream on top of everything else which you know have a day why not wow you're not really worried about your calorie count at that point I yeah exactly like when you go and diet coke like <laughs> you guys spring, spring for the regular at that point yeah again like, yeah, no, i live a little um but yeah there's there was a lot of questionable i then again also typical like take another shot uh at florida like i was going state by state of course florida has like there it's just like what what are you doing a lot of questionable decision making on their death row foods what would you pick i don't know what i would pick i don't know what i would pick i i go back and forth so like part of me wants to say i would pick breakfast which i think is like outrageous now you see i i can probably get on board with that like, just like you know. hash browns, bacon, ham, <laughs> sausage, eggs, toast. Eggs. It's hard to yeah. screw up too, and it, and it like everything bagel. It, it, yeah, it, it travels somewhat well. Depends where I am. Like if I'm in New York, I'd probably go breakfast. I'm not gonna get like a shitty bagel in like Georgia. Um, I mean, you know, uh, like steak and a lobster tail, something like that. I think is is more than reasonable. But I I don't know. I mean. Pizza. I love pizza. I feel like pizza is a waste as your death row meal. Yeah, that's again, like, then again, I'm not joking. Some of these people, it's just like, you did what? Like you, you requested just, just stuff that made no logical sense. I, I really can't with some of these people. I want to hear from people in the comments. What's your death row meal? DFS yeah, death row meals. What's the highest price player in death row meal? I mean, it's got to be steak, I would think. I, well, I, I heard a, a gasp from Paul. Paul, you disagree? Yeah, I'm celiac, so it's like definitely something like really carb loaded at this point for me. Like something like pasta? Like, maybe, yeah, maybe something like that. I eat steak all the time. Not that I'm That's the thing. So, so do I. So. Yeah, I say so do I because I really like steak. But I, I mean, as my last meal? I don't know. You just go get like, does Cuss just go get McDonald's? Is that what happened? Like, how many of these people are just getting fast food? Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's also a poor choice. Even though I had Wendy's yesterday for the first time in gotta be 10 years. And? Pretty good. I like Wendy's. Not that I have. It was, uh, I don't like, I don't like Wendy's fries. Fries were all right. I had a chicken sandwich. It was pretty good. Um, Spicy chicken? Yeah. It's good. I would say that's number one power-ranked Wendy's food. That or JBC's. Yeah. JBC's are excellent. I panicked a little because I, I, you know, out of practice, don't go to a lot of fast food places. So I kind of just went for it, but it turned out fine. Then I got, we were picking up sushi. So it was just like extra disturbing. I just had two meals. Sushi and Wendy's, huh? Yeah, it's just, uh, again, you, this is what happens when Griot, um, there was a lot going on yesterday. You got to cut me some slack. Talk about death row meals. 
I was basically going death row meal because if he didn't win, uh, there was going to be serious, serious, serious uh, repercussions. I was would have been devastated. If you go on my Twitter page at the PME right now, you can find the updated sitcom bracket and you can vote in you know, for the third round. And everything's gone pretty chalk so far. When you were on one of the preview shows, I, I think it's almost gone down exactly how I thought. Even some of like the... I think there's a big perception versus reality when it comes to how people judge certain things. And especially when it comes to sitcom, comedy, very subjective. And you're dealing with different timelines of the ages of people. So something like Cheers is just naturally going to be overlooked because most of the people you know, voting in this, presumably on Twitter, weren't alive when that show was on TV. So obviously it's not going to be as popular regardless of its quality. And yeah, it lost to The League. Uh, in the second round. So Cheers is not moving on yet, but there's a yeah. weird, there's a weird affinity for some of these older shows, which I just don't understand. Like full house. Listen, I I'm no big bang theory fan, but full house beating big bang theory. Like those are two bad shows. Yeah. I, I feel like there's uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but like there are certain older shows that have like a stereotypical kind of like just rating and some of them I think have just been like solidified as like classics when they they weren't and they aren't um I think like Full House might fall into that category everyone knows Full House and I think like even I I think like oh yeah Full House like great show and then it's just not it may have to do that especially with the demographic that's voting in this or at least so far which I assume will continue throughout the rest of the rounds like the average viewers of this show and like the age range that they fall into that as kids they probably did watch Full House and here's the sneaky thing a lot of the stuff that you watch as kids that you think is good is not good just you never revisit it ever so it only ever has that spot and you're like cuss this happens to cuss all the time he's like well i saw it when i was seven of course it is good it's like no it's good for like seven-year-olds not 35 year old you that as kids you just weren't watching adult sitcoms you were watching kids sitcoms which then 30 years later you think oh no that was really good i remember it 100 percent. i mean i i try it's a fine line with me there are some things that i i have a strong feeling won't hold up and then i just like I'm just like, just don't ever go back. Just let it be. Um, because sometimes you do go back and you're just like, yeah, this this really didn't hold up. And it's it's just, yeah, it's just not made for. That's what a sign of a great show. It's like when it's transcendent of like age groups. There are certain shows on that list that I think honestly get better with age or just like it has something for everybody. I can see that. I mean, I go back and I watch Wayne's World every single year. And I don't think that you could drop someone from 2023 into that movie and be like, this movie is hilarious. Like, it's, it's very much of 1990, 1991. And, like, it makes, like, specific commercial references. And all Mike Myers movies are like this, which is kind of why none of them hold up. Outside of How I Married an Axe Murder, which it weirdly does hold up. Because it's just... I've never s- seen that. Because it's so bizarre. But, like, Wayne's World and the original Austin Powers, I guess, hold up the best of all of them. But... I don't know. It, it just, it's fascinating to go back and watch. And I still find it funny because it is funny because I remember the humor of that time. That's still funny to me, but like, that's just not how humor works anymore. No, definitely not. I have movies. Like, how many Wayne's worlds were there? Two. There was a bunch, right? There was only two. Oh, two. I don't know if I've ever seen the second one. Never, never. The second one's where he puts on Wayne stock 
And it was like half the movie is ripped from the Doors movie, which no one saw. That had come out like five years previous to Wayne's World 2. (laughs) It's weird. I don't know if I'm atypical like this. I tend to rewatch not comedies. Like, I'll watch the same normal movie over and over, but I rarely just, like, rewatch the same funny movie over and over. What would be an example of a normal movie you would rewatch? Because I rewatch, like, serious movies, but they're like all... True Lies. Oh, yeah, I watch True Lies all the time. I think, like, action, like it... action adventure movies. But True Lies is kind of funny. Oh, True Lies, like, Robin Hood with Kevin Costner. Really? Yeah, I've seen that movie, like, well over 100 times, no doubt about it. Like, if that's on, just like, oh, yeah, here we go. Was that the one with the Brian Adams song on the soundtrack? I have. No, it's with Morgan Freeman and uh, Kevin Tom's Gruber. Alan Rickman and Kevin Costner's Robin Hood, isn't he? Yes, yes. Yeah. I think that's the Brian Adams one. Brian Adams was like a big thing. I don't know for like shit the, about music. You know, yeah, like, there's the big song in that movie. I think it's, I mean, I only know. And Christian Slater. In that movie, everything I do, I do it for you. From the 1991 film Robin Hood, yeah. Prince of the You know what's going on. If I was on Millionaire, you would be my lifeline for that kind of stuff. You just want someone who's next to a computer. At well, that's that's you. Look at that. Yeah, it's, it's me. It. If I'm at my desk and you're on, yeah. is Millionaire still a thing? I don't think so. After Regis, Regis has been dead for quite a while, but they had other people, right? Yeah, they had Meredith Vieira as host for a while. Okay, that's right, from The View. I feel like it's hard to explain what a phenomenon the original run of Millionaire was. That was nuts. That was, I remember that show when it premiered. It was a thing. It It was only on for like three weeks or something like that. It was sweet. That was like, of all the game shows, if I could go on any game show, it would definitely be Jeopardy, but the original Millionaire would be up there do you think you'd be good at jeopardy because i always have this conversation with cust that cust knows probably three times amount the answers that i do on jeopardy but i feel like i would be better than him i just buzz in quicker so, yeah so a couple different things one i tried out for jeopardy so i i passed the test and i went down and i played real games with the real buzzer um and it's all about the buzzer i'd say the majority particularly people that I get on the show they know the answer. It's either nerves, which is an unquantifiable thing, and and if you can time the buzzer. So yeah, knowing the answers on your couch, I don't think is a separator. It's a prerequisite, but it's not a separator. Yeah, just just having good good enough coordination or timing with the buzzer, and knowing how much to wager, as we saw with what was well, that with Jeopardy James. Like he kind of he kind of cracked the code for everyone. But I feel like everyone that. It at least isn't the betting space for years. That would have been their strategy. 100%. Like these are the little, like people don't know what they're doing. And there's, there's things within the show. Like they, the daily doubles are only on, on certain uh, rows. Like obviously if you know where you're going and you're bouncing around categories, you know where you're going to go next. And the other people don't, there's little things like that. That could make a difference. I would be, I mean, I, I think I'd be pretty good at jeopardy. My problem is I have giant knowledge gaps. Like I, I have certain categories I would crush, and then I don't know anything about music or opera or literature. So 
Well, I mean, this is what happened when we did that trivia game that never aired. And, you know, you just didn't know the <laughs> real housewives, celebrity husbands. That was tough for you. That's true. Uh, and and I believe the other category was so it was like African capitals, which I'm not joking, would be like if I had a on trial for my life, that might be the category I would choose. And then it was like wrestlers. And I don't know if I even can name a wrestler. So how did you miss you, like uh, we're approximately I think you're a little bit younger than me, but we're around the same demo. How did you miss wrestling? Because there's a very selective pocket of, I mean, wrestling's huge, obviously, but when it was at its peak popularity in the late 90s was when, like, I think I was 13, 12, 13, 14, amongst, like, the highest years. You may have been, like, 9, 10, 11. Maybe we're the same age. I don't know. I don't care to go dig into that too much. People don't like talking about their ages, but, like, it was just such a magnet for everyone of that age group. Yeah, it was a me thing. Like, I, I was exposed to it you know, when I would go to friends' houses and, and certainly it wasn't like, oh, like my parents, they didn't care what the hell I was doing uh, or watching. So it wasn't anything like that. I just had no watching college basketball. I don't know. I just, I wasn't, I never got into wrestling. Interesting. I I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the results of, of the bracket, the second round, and just, I, I really don't care who wins at this point. But I just feel vindicated that Arrested Development knocked off How I Met Your Mother, and that makes me feel very good. Yeah, we talked about that was the that was the bracket that I uh, was, you know, I came on for, which has curb. Um, yeah, has curb and Arrested Development's a phenomenal show. Yeah, it so, really is. So it is going to be Home Improvement versus Arrested Development with a chance to go to the Elite Eight. And the top of the bracket is sort of like the internet imploding on itself. It's friends versus Curb. I would expect in this vote, Curb wins like 90 to 10%. Yeah, I would agree. And it should, but um, that's home improvement, really. Yeah, home improvement's making a run here. It knocked out, it beat American, like it cleaned the floor with American Dad, then it just beat the crap out of two and a half men. Okay. That's that's one of those shows. Like, I don't know if, if home improvement's any good or I just like remember it because it's got like identifiable characters. Well, mm. you just remember, uh, that's it. That's all you need to know. Dude, Johnny, huh? Johnny, huh? What happened to that guy? That's another one. Like he's just gone. Yeah. I mean, Bud Colley never returned from that injury. I don't, he must be doing like, he must be doing the Anthony Kim insurance settlement. That's the only thing I can think of. Maybe. I hope he, he, Bud he comes Colley. back. Uh, there's so many guys like chase seaford almost won yesterday i saw that they they showed they flashed because they were they flashed that towards the end of the colonial broadcast like the other tours and outside of chase seaford that that leaderboard just had the best names i've ever seen for people and the panda guy was there big norm big norm just the amount of creative players though of guys that i know i'm gonna have to deal with soon enough uh insane even the guy that won, never heard of him in my life. He must be pretty good. He was a mini. Apparently, he was a mini tour player as of like three three weeks ago or something like that. Of course, why not? Sure, everyone's got a story. Well, here's a story from the bracket. I mean, I told Sia this when he made the seedings. Uh, Modern Family was the first number one seed to go down. It lost. To, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. And I'm not surprised. I don't like Always Sunny, but I get why people do. It's funny because I feel the same way. Like, I, I, it's not that I don't like it. I just kind of nothing it. Like, it's fine. I'll watch an episode if it's on. Maybe. 
maybe I'll watch like five minutes of it, but it's never something that I really got into. But it is weirdly popular with a select group of people. People love that show. Like, if there was like a vote, if you just listed all the shows uh, and it wasn't a bracket and it was just like select your favorite show from this giant list, Always Sunny could win something like that. Because the number of people that have it just like at the very top is massive and there's a million other people that have it like 60th. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be any in between. Either you love it or you just... Yeah. It's not necessarily that, again, that you hate it. It's just you, you don't have time for it kind of thing. Next round, though, it's Always Sunny is going to take on South Park, which I'm actually very curious to see who ends up mm. winning that. Like, South Park clearly has my vote. Have you watched any of the new season of South Park? I've never seen South Park. That's crazy to me. And you've never seen The Simpsons? Yeah. You just don't watch animation? Is that it? Yeah, never seen. I mean, I've seen Family Guy, but I, I've never in my life sat down to watch a uh, episode of it. And on the bottom of the bracket, we get The Simpsons versus Fresh Prince. All right, so we got some real matchups now. We're, these are, yeah, these are heavy hitter matchups. Yeah, like, I mean, the Simpsons should clean the floor with Fresh Prince, at least in my mind, but we'll see. There's a lot of negative Simpsons feedback. It must be from people who are younger than, like, 10 years and younger than me really seem to dislike the Simpsons. Does the Simpsons have, like, overarching, like, storylines, or is it just... no? Maybe it yeah. does now. I don't know. I've watched it in years, but and it's still on. Yeah, the, I don't. That show's legit. I like. What else we got? Seinfeld versus Full House. Seinfeld's just gonna oh, yeah. blow this. And Scrubs, yes, yes. Scrubs versus the League, in the Sweet Sixteen or the Elite Eight. Sorry, is that Sweet Sixteen? Sweet Sixteen. That's a matchup. I mean, I, Scrubs is way better, but people really. I mean, this, is, this started out as a fantasy football show, so obviously viewers like the League, but I couldn't imagine them them liking it more than scrubs no i wouldn't think so i i have no problem with the league i saw some of that but scrubs is really solid yeah we got frazier versus golden girls <laughs> okay that should be come on now yeah and what's the bottom the office versus family guy that that's a juicy matchup that's a tough matchup those are two shows that i respect a lot and i don't really watch either of them I, I think I watched The Office too much, and now I'm just kind of over it. That happens. Yeah, with that can happen. Yeah. Just, oh, it definitely happens. It happened to me with Seinfeld for a very long time. Like, I just watched way too much Seinfeld. It's like, I just, I don't want to watch another Seinfeld now. And then I I'm moved coming on to, back from that. Well, I moved on to, like, after I went through my Seinfeld, like, every day for eight years, whatever it was, I finally moved on to Frasier. Now, Frasier became that show for me. I'm not quite burnt out of it yet. That's we're in a real similar. So the, the killer with Seinfeld is like you can watch like it's on like four different channels for two hour blocks. And I was hitting so much Seinfeld for years. And then it was just like, all right, I've I've done some serious damage. And I moved on to Frasier. And it's it's good because it's not on a ton. So like I get a, I get a healthy dose of it every day. OK, this is what I want to end with. And I want to hear from people in the comment section on this one, too, besides your uh, death row meal. Favorite athletes. Single favorite athlete from favorite sport. I'm always fascinated by this. And I always wonder how much of it is informed by who you liked as a kid versus who you like now, because I feel like the nostalgia of who you liked as a kid, because you actually really like those people. Like, is there any athlete right now you're like, man, I love that guy. Like, I feel like they're all younger than me at this point. Like, I have other things in my life to care about that when I was eight, like, this is all I cared about. 
So the weird thing with me, I guess, and I don't know if this influences it a ton, but I've never really had like diehard teams. Like, you know, I, I rooted for the Jazz when I was a kid. That was probably my favorite team. Why did in any you sport. Well, why did you root for the Jazz? Were you a big John Stockton fan? Yeah. Like like John Stockton, probably more back then now when I know a little more about him now. But uh yeah, my dog's name was Jazz growing up. I like jazz. I like the jazz. So John Stockton oh. would be your answer for favorite NBA player ever? No, definitely not. Favorite NBA player ever? Um, it'd probably be LeBron. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I like LeBron a lot. Yeah. See, all mine is weird because like, I'm kind of drawing back to when I was younger. Jeff Hornacek? No. He, like he was on those jazz teams. Was he on those jazz teams? Yeah. You you weren't just a you weren't a mailman guy? No, no, he's also someone uh who's got some things. Maybe yeah, Greg Ostertag. No, he's not the answer either. I'm trying to think of like I feel like half of it comes from like at least for me, who I used like, you know, in, in Madden or like in NBA Live if I had like a go to team. Yeah, well I I think that has a lot I think that informs it more. Like whether the team that you were for their best player when you were a kid, who you used in Madden, whatever it might be, yeah. more so than, like, you love Griot. Would you say that Griot is your favorite golfer ever? No. Be Rory. See, I th weirdly, I think mine is Mike Weir. Really? Yeah. Because he's, he's Canadian? Because he's Canadian. Like, that's how, like, when you're a kid and that's all you're watching especially growing up in Canada, they always highlight like Canadian athletes. I mean, it's why Steve Nash is my favorite basketball player ever. And like Jacques Villeneuve is my favorite F1 like driver ever. Him or Paul Tracy. I love Paul Tracy. I went as Paul Tracy for Halloween. I don't know who that is. He was a like cart driver. He was sponsored by Player Sigs. Like uh, Mario Kart? Like what are we talking no, about? Like, F1? The, like, like, no, like, no, cart series. Like there used to be like, whatever the Indianapolis 500 is. That was yesterday. Yeah, I, apparently that was the case. But there used to be like two oh. of those series. There was Kurt and there was another one. Almost like what happened in golf with Liv and PGA. That There was one main like IndyCar racing league and they split into two and it just kind of went away. Hmm. This is fascinating. Now I'm trying to think of like, okay, I got to go sport by sport. Right, so, uh, if I can so, here. So, base, so baseball, I think the stock answer for everyone is Ken Griffey Jr., Definitely of, of a certain age. Growing like, up. My favorite player was Roberto Alomar. They spit in that umpire's face, and that was like, mm, it's not great. So probably junior. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was uh favorite baseball player. It would probably be Pedro for me. Oh, I can see that. I love Pedro when he was on the Expos. Yeah, I was a huge I like the Expos. I'm not, even though I'm from New York, like the Red Sox never bothered me um because i don't like the yankees so yeah it'd be pedro did you have a favorite hockey player because this one i do know the answer to because i mean i played hockey for like 15 years and i always had the same number and it was 96 oh. for pavel Bure. all right so pavel Bure is an absolute boss like uh i love those canuck teams for me this might be the easiest one ironically it's definitely sergey fedorov it's funny that we both gravitated towards russian hockey players yeah, yeah, like it's definitely, it's definitely, and no joke, if you said I couldn't choose Fedorov, there's a chance I would have said uh, Beret. 
They were just the only. I love that they, guy. They were the only exciting players in the early to mid nineties when like the yeah. when the Devils trap took over and you had like Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg Avalanche teams and Nicholas Lidstrom on the Red Wings. Like, give me some flash. I hated that. Those av- I mean, obviously them in the Red Wings. Um, but yeah, like Fedorov. I liked like Stevie Y was fine, but no, it was. Timu Solani would probably be third. I was going to say, Timu Alexander McGillney would be up there too. Yeah, there was some dudes. Um, Yeah. Do you have a favorite, like, fighter? Because I don't, really. Like, MMA fighter? Like, make it MMA or boxing. I mean, boxing would definitely be, uh, like... Tyson? Tyson? Oh, definitely. I, I was... I'm a little too young for, like, peak Tyson, but... It's definitely Tyson. Like the like the only like prime from my youth boxing matches, like championship heavyweight matches that I can really remember are all Lennox Lewis, uh, Lennox Lewis fights and like really fucking boring. Yeah, like whole. I remember the Holyfield Tyson shenanigans, but I'm trying to think of NFL. NFL is tricky. Yeah, NFL, I mean it's Doug Flutie for me. It's who Flutie. Oh. Like being a being being the best CFL player ever. And then just for like years, all these CFL guys going to the NFL and being just fucking terrible. And then him going and like actually being kind of good was like, oh my God. And he was little when you're a kid. You're like, hey, this little dude's pretty good. Yeah. No, I mean, Flutie's awesome. It would probably be. I'll say this. Michael Vick in college was by far the most exciting player I've ever seen in my life. There's no doubt of him and Peter Warwick. Uh, you know what? I would even say, because I loved USC. Or USC. I, Reggie Bush was amazing to watch in college. Reggie Bush. In college, like those couple of guys, probably the best I've ever seen. Warwick Dunn, probably, if I had to pick a favorite NFL player. Him and Allstat, when they had that sick combo, that was so cool. Then you had those Falcons teams that had Dunn and TJ Duckett. Oh, God. I forgot about TJ Duckett. Love touchdowns. He was like the Michael Turner of his time. Forgot about Michael Turner. NFL, there's a lot of guys that you forget about who you were. Someone liked a tweet of mine the other day. Fuck, I wish I could pull it up right now. And it was someone had asked me like a start sick question, like 2015 or something like that. And like some bot (laughs) went back and liked it. So it popped up. I I, I feel like I didn't remember two of the players. Like I had forgotten about their existence is like how long ago it was like just how, especially running backs in the NFL, how quickly these guys go away. And I, especially with what we do as well, where you kind of have to remember everyone on every roster in the moment, week to week and what they've been doing, that shit that had happened six years ago for like two weeks that you may have been like, Arlen Harris is always the one that I bring up as the example. Is like, yeah, I don't, I don't know who that is. It was like 2006, like, 2007. He came in for Marshall Falk on the Rams. I think it was when Bulger was playing quarterback. And he was, it was back when we didn't know anything about fantasy. And I was just playing against like my friends. I picked him up. It's like, well, he's a starting running back. Might as well put him in. He had like 20 carries for 24 yards, but he had three touchdowns. Like, okay, (laughs) maybe we're onto something with just randomly picking up guys who get a lot of touches. Yeah. Again, think how unsolved that stuff. Yeah. There's a million. I'm just like trying to think of random running backs right now. And it's like, there were so many over the years. Come on, Ben Where Jarvis Green Ellis. I forgot about that guy. Oh, the law firm of Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Yeah. 
Yeah. Very important. Yeah, man. There was. And it's funny because it was like ran like it was someone good at running back against like what was clearly like two pickups. Liddell Betts was another big one. He like won championships for people with his work in Washington for like the final four weeks one year. Almost like Rashad yeah, never Penny. Seen- like Rashad Penny like two years ago did the same thing. And like we will completely forget about that but probably by now. Yeah, I forgot. I never played fantasy growing. See, this is stuff that like I never was in like I think I got thrown in, you know, I, I my, me and my friends had like a season long leave, but I never took it serious. I never played like fantasy sports growing up. See, I didn't until I got to college. I started playing like last year of high school and then like first year of college, we got into like everything, even fantasy golf. Like the only reason I'm into golf now, like I played golf, but I didn't give a shit about the PGA tour outside of majors, but yeah. we started playing cause we always played on Yahoo for our baseball and football leagues. And they're like, Hey, play fantasy golf. It's like, all right, we got nothing else to do. Yeah, I mean, I I never would have got into it if they didn't shut down college football. I was like, well, it's a problem. Why isn't college football allowed to be played DFS-wise in New York? There are no rhyme or reason. Just because? Literally, there's no... There's just, like, stupid... There are stupid clauses within the stuff, and no one takes the time to just be like, oh, we should just, like, fix this. Because it was, um, I think I had made mention last week, or I did the show with Brian Hooper about like the taxes that people have to pay uh, in Ontario of why DFS isn't around. And someone actually kind of like, you know, schooled me up on it. Like that's part of it. But the other part of it is too, and I think there's a problem with poker in the States is that what, for whatever reason, their legislation is that there is daily fantasy in Ontario, but they can't play with anyone outside of Ontario. That's the problem with with poker for sure. Like I'm I'm not super well versed on this, but I'm pretty sure like you can't like Delaware. It's like oh they have poker, but they can only play with people from Delaware. So there's just not enough people like liquidity wise, and they can't take like New Jersey, which also has poker, and then other states and combine it, which would be the solution. Obviously, I'm never gonna find this tweet. Yeah, I'm interested now. But... Yeah, see, so am I. Maybe it's on my phone. Twitter's hard to use these days. And I, I miss ha- poker. And I have to pay and I have to pay for Twitter Blue, which sucks. Mm. Remember when I got sh- maybe you don't remember. I got shadow banned on Twitter and the only way that got me out of it was paying for Twitter Blue. Savvy. What did it. you Savvy on there? What did you do to get shadow banned? I have no idea. I think I posted mm. an NFL clip for 5 seconds that I recorded off my TV. Yeah, that's the algorithm still got you. That is the only thing that I can think of, of why that would have happened. Come on, find this. I'm going to find this immediately after the show. I will text it to you and someone can remind yeah, text me. Someone can remind me to bring this up. It's just all Grio stuff. I, ret- I retweeted your tweet about Grio winning. And all Thank of a sudden you. people are like, hey, love this. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to research more death row meals. Should you should really come up with like a maybe try to make a menu because I did that for Super Bowl where you could construct like a Super Bowl food menu and I gave everything a price. Maybe you can do that for death row. Maybe I won't. Some people are just like, I don't care. I'll take what they're serving today. I guess they're just like fully they're, they're defeated out. at that point. Yeah, they're they're tired. But I, I understand that if you're on death row. Oh, yeah, that's fine. That That is fine. What I don't understand is like. You're like, all right, no, I'm, I'm into this. I'll just take like 
some grilled chicken and carrots. Like what? It's a very healthy That's, meal. Yeah, like what, what do you just a salad? Like I would say we should I mean obviously pun intended like those people should be executed which we got we got it covered but like what are you doing? Uh, Stuff like that tilts me more than it should. Never gonna find it. All right, Ben Rosa. Like cheesecake. Oh, cheese. I mean, I like cheesecake, so that's. I I can't get into cheesecake. Cheesecake Factory also just nope. I've never been there. That's a big Jeff Feinberg thing. Cheesecake Factory. Don't they have everything on the menu? Isn't that their deal? They have like everything on the menu, and maybe it's because they like tell you, but I, it fe- it feels like they're it's like oh like a, a salad. 78,000 calories. And you're like, is that a, that seems not possible uh, for obvious reasons. Everything at the Cheesecake Factory is like, you're, you're, you're going to die. You might as well just, you know, go out and take, take fentanyl or something. Cause the calories in that place is insane. I, I find that at any of that, that style of place that there is legitimately nothing. Like you might as well just go all in on the most unhealthy thing that you can find. Cause you're right. Like the, whatever, like you can get like the very base salad, which actually isn't what is on the menu because what's on the menu, like you said, like a salad will be like 2,000 calories. You're like, all right, it's the point of eating this salad. I might as well get something like decent for 2,500 calories. Yeah. 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 I agree. So I, it's not that I freak. I have been been to the cheesecake factory in a long, long time. I can't even remember one, but I'd also don't know if they have like, they have to have cheesecake, but like, are they synonymous with it? I actually have no idea. Yeah, it's very shady. Anyway, that's all. Do you think we'll still get the Michael Block movie? But what? Remember Michael Block, the golfer? Vaguely, from two weeks ago. What about him? Yeah. Do, do, do you think his story is a movie anymore? Or is it over for him? Uh, no. If it is, it's going to be on like Lifetime. He, he missed... He flew too close to the sun. Uh... Well, did yeah, you, did no. you see his clip about the, the one that like, Oh, I saw it, but I didn't think he was wrong. Like he's kind of right. If he could drive the ball, like Rory McIlroy, he'd be one of the best players in the world. Fuck. If I could drive the ball, like Rory McIlroy, I would be one of the best players in the world. It's like impossible to do. That's why Rory's so good. <laughs> it was just a stupid, stupid way to say things. And just a way I, you know, again, awesome story. I don't have anything really against the guy. I just, it felt like he flew a little too close to the sun and uh, it's easy to do that. But it's like, yeah, there's there's still a big gap between like catching lightning in a bottle and being able to do do this every week. So he learned that at Charles Schwab. Yeah, I really found it odd how people like actively rooted against him. Yeah, that was mu- a little much. I just thought that was strange. Like, is, is there like an air of jealousy that goes along with this? Or like you felt like this guy wasn't deserving? Like after like some of the stuff came out, especially the Rory comment, like people really tripled down. But even before that, it's like, I'm, I'm fucking sick of this guy. Like, fuck him. It's like, it's actually a really good story. Yeah. Most of that stuff, like I certainly wasn't rooting for him, but most of the stuff that I found like really annoying wasn't his doing. Um, it was just like some of the circumstances. It was, it's an amazing story. And I wish it could have been more about that than, and, but part of that I think is his fault. Like he kind of hijacked the conversation a little bit. Um, I mean, did he hijack the conversation or was everyone just sticking microphones in his face all the time for the first time yeah, in mean, his life? 
that's where it's really tricky because like you know you, you start can't take it back you say one one thing and then you you're like um now everyone yeah he's like a villain which again i think is a little much yeah the villain label probably did, i mean maybe that's truer to real life than the story that we were being given anyway but like when you're just some unknown guy making a run like you're gonna be the cinderella story it could be like uh, a random 14 like who was the fucking the sister gene team in the tournament Loyola was that yeah, that Loyola yeah like when they made their first run it's like oh my god this would be great if they won not knowing anything yeah, about again, them except they were a 14 seed it's a cool like stuff like that is what makes all this stuff great and then like most things uh people i think end up you know rooting against poor sister gene in the end is that because, I mean, I want to say, is it because of social media? But do people always feel that way? Because I feel like if that happened in 1996, people would just be like on board and like positive about it because you wouldn't hear any of the negativity. But now all you hear yeah, is think, the negativity. Yeah, I think it's because of social media. But did, I don't. was it always that way? It's just no one had a form to express those thoughts? Or is it because of social media that people are like that? I think that... The platform allows those thoughts to be like solidified more and it it becomes more prevalent because of it. All right. That'll do it. Oh, there's that. It's funny. Robinson what? Chinhoy won the Xanaco. I was looking for that tweet. This one came up. Rob Robson Chinhoy was the guy that we bet on to win the Kenya Open like three years ago. He just <laughs> he just just won the Xanaco Masters on the Sunshine Tour. I was going to say, I thought you were saying that was the, I'm like, I've never heard of that NFL player in my life. Um, okay. That's the golfer. There you go. At Jazzraz, DFS, stochastic.com. What's the gambling product that you guys are always shilling? It looks kind of cool. It's, it really is. Honestly, I've been doing a lot of work over at oddshopper.com. Uh, odd Odd shopper. It's fun. It's cool. It's it's a lot of a lot of the similar stuff that you've talked about today, where it's just like it's a lot of really good data. Obviously, uh helps you if you're if you're into betting, kind of take it to the next level and see what's at least out there. Cause there are a lot of tools that can, even if you don't know what you're doing, you can always get a little better. Um, and so I've been having I've been having a blast over there putting out content. All right. Again, at Jazzraz, DFS, you can follow Ben over there and get in on his Emiliano Grillo victory lap. Maybe bet him again. See if he can double down and oh, win, win, win along with Ben at the same odds that he had last week in a much stronger tournament, right? Yes. I'm not going to bet Grillo, but I didn't bet him last week bet. and he won. So what do I know? Imagine he wins again. That would be kind of crazy. He'd be a shoe in for that. That would game. be nuts. We, we'd, we'd see him in Montreal on the President's Cup team. That's true. You should drive up for that. Maybe. I've never been to Canada. How far from the border do you live? Pretty damn far. Oh, really? But I, I assumed you were like two hours away. No, no. I, honestly, I mean, I guess it could be, but no, I'm not. I'm, I, I guess like eight hours, maybe. No, it can't be that long. Like from New York, like down from Manhattan to the Canadian border isn't that long. Well, I mean, I'm not that far from Manhattan. Yeah, but just to get out of Manhattan takes like two hours. That's fair. Yeah, like geographically, I'm not that far. I Like I said, I don't know what I'm talking about. Where's Pla Isn't like Plattsburgh the very top? Of what? New York. I, I, was... I, I don't know that much about <laughs> New York state geography. 
See, Jeopardy knowledge. You got to get. Okay, let's see. Um, Montreal. Go to one. I'm gonna guess seven hour drive to Montreal for we, you, or you could take the thirty minute flight. So we got five hours and twenty minutes. That's not that three hundred. No, or I could fly from Newark. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. I mean, I'm sure you could fly there from other places too, not just Newark. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Oh yeah, you just—it's absurd. You, you just go north, like, okay, straight up, dead yeah. north, straight. Like I am in line with Montreal, and you never knew it. I didn't. What the hell is that? What's Laval? That's a wild name. Laval. Well, I'm calling it Laval. Well, Laval's like a, an outskirt of Montreal. It's the uh, predominant Laval University is the dominant Canadian football university powerhouse. Oh yeah, I got one random question to ask you before we yeah. go. What's the deal with Winnipeg? Why do you ask that by chance? Just because with the hockey playoffs, like some of the cities seem like pretty, I don't know, like normal, and then like Winnipeg just seems like it's it's like not a a functional city or something like it's, it's just, it had a different vibe. Um, well, I, I would recommend that everyone follow Andrew Patterson at Hustlerama on Twitter, uh, who does like Winnipeg local friend of the show. Paul raises hand. Like, I've never been to Winnipeg. My wife went there for work for two days and she came back. She's like, I am never fucking going there again. That's the kind of stuff I hear about Winnipeg. But I've met people from Winnipeg and they say it's quite nice. So, uh, I mean, I, maybe it's because where you're from, but Paul, you, you, Paul, you can answer this. You've been there. It doesn't get to be like minus 90. I've spent a lot of time in the province of Manitoba. Um, we'd always have to hang out in Winnipeg for like three or four days. It's the only place on earth that I've ever been asked for a spare shank <laughs> on the street. Somebody asked me like late at night, like you can have a SIG, man. But like I, if I had a shank, I wouldn't give you my spare one so that you can turn around and stab me with it and take my other one need that shank yeah there's a lot like people they apparently they put like quarters in like socks and they use that as a weapon like down at like portage in maine like right downtown it's rough like you you feel it when you're walking around those streets yeah is it like medieval i'm a little confused why everyone needs weapons it's a rough it's a rough you if if you okay. don't have street smarts, you can get yourself in trouble walking around at night. Yeah, it's funny. Well, we'll cross that off the list. Well, as of 2017, it had a population of three quarters of a million people, so 750,000. Like it, oh, it's. I mean, it's large enough to support an NHL team. Like where we're at is not large enough to support an NHL team. Although I don't know, Paul, you've now been to both. Like, did does Winnipeg feel that much bigger than here? Um. Like, does it seem like more like a city? I would. Halifax is a lot nicer. Like it's, it's, it's more you have cool. the beautiful waterfront. Like I don't know, Winnipeg just feels very like it's a city, but it's like it doesn't have like you know the night. Like I don't know, it doesn't have the nice scenery. I suppose. I suppose that's that's the thing with a lot of Canadian cities is that you have like very scenic cities been like we're on the coast here like vancouver is just like the really nice version the bigger nicer version of halifax and they have mountains at the same time that's directly on the coast like you're on the lake in toronto montreal is on the uh 
uh, fucking St. Lawrence River. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's very historic. It looks great. Like Quebec City is just a very, very old city. Uh, you, know, you have the water in Ottawa, like Calgary, Edmonton, Saskatoon, Regina, Winnipeg. Like they're just in the middle of the pra- It'd be like if there was a really big city, like if Helena, Montana had like 2 million people in it or something. Yeah, that is kind of why. Because, like, I just associate because of the teams. Like, you got the Jets, you got the Flames, and then it's like some of those cities, when I look at the map, it's like they seem like they're in the literally the middle of nowhere. They are, and there's nothing around them. Like, everyone lives in that one spot. Like, I don't know what the population of Manitoba is, but I would say it's, it's like here. Like, the I think the population of, like, the greater Halifax area is, like, 500, 550,000, and there's a million people in our province. So over half the people live in the city. I would guess it's probably close to that for Manitoba. Manitoba population. Manitoba's population is 1.4 million and 750,000 live in Winnipeg. And it's huge. Like, Canadian provinces make Texas look tiny. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, that's like, like, what happens if you go to, like, North like White Horse or like Yellow Knight. Like those are the only cities I even know up there because they're capitals. Like, do people live up there? Cam lived in Whitehorse. <laughs> Gotta be freezing. Yeah, I mean I I don't really know anyone who's ever like Paul, did you ever go up to the territories? No, I've been to like Fort Mac, which is like northern Alberta. Alberta. I've been to Thompson, Manitoba. I've been like Northern Quebec, where like there's there's like signs that are just like, if you don't have a full tank of gas, turn around (laughs) because there isn't one for like 600 kilometers. So um, I've been I've been all over this country to places that like nobody has ever seen. It was all my tree planting days, mostly. Yeah. Like the pop. What do you think the population of Whitehorse is, man? (laughs) I mean, it's. I I couldn't even venture a guess. It's got to be low though, like what fifty thousand? Twenty five thousand. Yeah, that's that's tiny. And, and like, what, where like is that? Eighty percent of the population. Yeah, of that like that's in Yukon. Territory. That's in the Yukon. You yeah. said that. Yeah, that's Yukon. So right next to Alaska. How many people live in Yukon? Forty one thousand. Yeah, I figured. Like, if you're not living in White Horse, you don't have power. Doing? I mean, a lot of it's like indigenous, uh, being that north, like like people who just live in the Arctic. What do they speak? Uh, Inuit, I think, is the language. I could be wrong on that. Okay. And there's probably like local, like localized dialects up there as well. Yeah, I should go up there. I don't know if you want to go. Like, in, if you live up there and you're Canadian. Like, I think when Cam went up there to work in media when he first got a job. So, if I, I mean, I suppose I could ask Cam about this. But you get, like, isolation pay for living up there. Like, stuff, and stuff is fucking, if you think inflation's bad, move to the territories about and see how much stuff costs. What, it's crazy expensive? Yeah. Like, nothing grows there. Like, the, everything is an import. And everything yeah, has to be imported, sense. like, yeah. Like, if you want, like, a case pop, it probably costs you, like, $40. <laughs> If you want like yeah, a seal a... cut up, it probably costs you like twelve bucks, but or a shank, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I think it's nine out of ten Canadians live within a hundred miles of the U.S. border. Like everyone lives like kind of to the south in Canada. Yeah, I gotta go up to 
You can make it to Montreal pretty quickly, it seems. Well, that's too crazy. If I'm going, I'm just going straight to the Yukon. I mean, that's, I wonder how, put in how long that would take to drive from your house to the Yukon. I bet you would take over five days. Five days? It'd be like, it'd be, that's, it, you would, you would be, it's probably twice as long as driving to LA. Yellow knife. Is that what I'm, I can't, wait, what are we looking at? White horse. God damn it. Oh my God. Yellow, this yellow knife is far. Yellow knife is Northwest Territories. White Horse is even farther. What the hell's? I'm just looking at the map. What's none of that? That's another that that was established in 1999. A is its can is its capital. It was a part of uh, the Northwest Territories, but then it became its own territory. So I would have to take first of all this this route has tolls, um, which is <laughs> well, unfortunate. That's too bad. <laughs> yeah, can't, it's, can't it's very. Yeah, I can't get that's that's really the, a deal breaker. It would take 60 hours. And what would it take to drive to Staples Center? If you just plug that in. Not 60 hours, I'll tell you that much. Forty-two hours. And you're more north. Like you're kind of in the middle, I would say, north. I mean, Whitehorse is probably much more north, but it oh just, yeah, like, it, just, it doesn't see it doesn't look that way on a map. Like the scale. Remember that West Wing episode where they talked about the scaling of maps? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like Canada kind of falls into that a little, especially the northern part of Canada. Like when you look at Canada and the U.S. on a map, they look like relatively the same size, but Canada's way bigger. I'm just like, and again, this is what's disturbing. Like I consider myself like really well versed with geography. I'm like looking at a, I'm looking at a map right now and it's just like, oh, none of what this like gigantic piece of land. I just didn't know that was a thing. Friend of the show, Tim Butts, the other Tim is from a Callowit. Baker. Yeah, I got to go. I'm going to Baker Lake. I don't think you're ever going to get you can barely leave your house to go get Subway. Subway or Wendy's. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, when I say I'm not going to Subway, but if I go Baker Lake, none of it. Population, two thousand. That's a lot, actually. Nice. Yeah, they know what's going on here. It looks freezing. It pro. It's very. It's like in the Arctic Circle. Yeah, there's caribou, muskox, wolverines. What the hell's a six sick? Uh, that yeah, I, this is too much. What, what is a six sick? What is that? You know, this is what's wrong with society. You click it and it just says squirrel. So just say squirrel then. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe it's the, the localized squirrel. Squirrels are yeah. different everywhere. When I lived in Toronto, they were huge. Here, they're not so big. We have black squirrels here. That's what they have in Toronto. It's like they're they're yeah. giant. But the squirrels here are like yeah. this big. They're very tiny. They look like chipmunks. But they're not chipmunks. They're squirrels. Hmm. Well, this was a fun end. Fascinating. It's too bad people tuned out at thirty-seven twelve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they missed a lot. When, when the a six, lot about six, none of it. sixty sixty seconds uh, succession spoiler party happened. <laughs> <laughs> All right, rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me at the PME. Vote in the bracket. Smash likes up to the channel while you're here as well. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.